Did your week go by quick? Has your summer gone by fast? My goodness, we're getting ready to send the kids back to school in another week. Yeah, hallelujah, you betcha. (laughs) You know, after all these years, and, you know, I, I did, of course, the high school, college, graduate school, that kind of thing. I still get so excited in the fall because I don't have to go back to school. So it's really bad. So all you young people, I'm sorry about that, but uh, that's good. Now, time moves quickly, it seems like. Seems like the older you get, the quicker it goes. That's really a strange phenomenon. I think it's scripture says that God has put eternity in our hearts, and there's something about that. But um, I have a question for you this morning. We've blown through another week. How are you different this week, this Sunday, than you were last Sunday? Have you changed? And if you've changed, have you changed towards the good? Or towards the not so good. You know, I have, uh, my wife and I were blessed to have several, actually four different sets of family and friends in from Indiana this week. And so we've been uh, trying to catch some time here or there and uh, been traveling in different parts of Southern California here. And I am amazed that the older I get, that I don't get more patient in this kind of traffic that's around here. In fact, sometimes I wonder if I'm getting more jaded as I get older. You know, the change is going to happen from one week to the next, whether you realize it or not, and hopefully we are changing towards something better rather than something that's not as good. But a lot of times we leave that up to chance in our life. Well, what it is is what it will be. And we don't have the intentionality that we should, especially, I believe, as it relates to who we can become in Christ. And so I'd like to just take a standalone day today as we're doing this summer a little bit and talk about being spiritually formed in Christ. Spiritually formed in Christ. This is one of my favorite pics from the summer. And uh, this picture um, that they're going to pull up there is um, a picture of a, a, a young adult sitting sideways on his hammock looking across a nice blue body of water to a mountain range. And underneath that hammock is his backpack and some shoes. With his arms lifted straight to the sky in sort of like a a V, victory as I would think of it sometimes, and he's got a book in his hand that he has raised. Now, What do you think that book is? Do you think maybe that book is a a book of uh, just uh, a novel? Do you think it might be, you know, a a book that he's, you know, studying for academics or something? Well, if you look close, the book actually has one of those little uh, book tags hanging on the bottom of it. It's actually a Bible. What do you think this young adult is doing? Think this young adult is crying out to God maybe? Maybe worshiping God, maybe thanking God, a moment in time. Now, I trust you have not had your summer blow by so fast that maybe you're not able to take some moments 
with God. And maybe not just a few moments, but to take a lot of time with God and ask Him if He could change you more into who He planned for you to be when He created you in your mother's womb. Maybe a word of praise or worship, just crying out to God, I want to be spiritually formed in Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul, he was, he was in the business. He was always challenging people to be able to consider the claims of Christ. And remember, we've talked about Paul before coming through the 80s series. Paul was one who persecuted Christians. He was a Jewish elite pharisaical person. He thought he knew how to do the religion right. And so this Jesus that came on the scene, he wanted to do away with his followers. Because they were disrupting the Jewish religion. But then Jesus met him personally on a road when he was going to persecute some other Christians and changed and transformed his life from just being a religious person, which I don't know if you've tried to be a religious person, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. A bunch of rules to follow. A bunch of codes and etiquettes. Rituals, routines becomes burdensome. And that's the kind of people that Jesus came to minister to, people that were burdened down with religion, do's and don'ts, not measuring up. But he came to give himself to people so that they could have life. And the Apostle Paul was transformed by Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he became alive in Christ, and Christ started to become formed in him, and then Paul turned around and do what I'm exhorting you to do today. Consider, consider being spiritually formed in Christ again this next week. And we have this verse in Galatians. He's exhorting the people there who had been burdened by a lot of religion, do's and don'ts. He said, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now, yesterday, we, uh, it's sort of hard getting around with 15 different people, and we sort of divided up, had different cars going different places, and, and had to eat one place. And, and, and I ate a new place yesterday, ate at the Blaze Pizza. You ever eat at Blaze Pizza? I, I've never heard of that place. And they walk in, they make it themselves right there. They had this big pot of dough. They throw the dough in some big clamp frying pan type of thing and it spreads out. Then they pull it out there. They throw it on there. Of course, put the stuff on, put it in the oven. And I thought, hmm, that sort of feels like me sometimes, just a big blob of dough. And I need to be formed. What's the pressure cooker that's forming me in my life? Is the pressure cooker the pressures of the world the expectations of your boss, the uh, banterings of your children. What's forming you? What's the pressure cooker that's forming you every day, every week, every year of your life? Is it the world and the culture around or the expectations or what's perceived as success in our world? Or are you being formed in the pressure cooker, if you will, of Christ's likeness and what God wants to do in your life? And here's the Apostle Paul saying, I mean, I am in what? I am in pains of childbirth. Now, you women are going like, Paul, you don't know nothing. (laughs) You don't know what pains of childbirth are. But 
He had this aspect of groaning and longing to see them change. Now, what was happening with the people in Galatians was they had, uh, be re- they had become uh, exposed to the good news of the gospel, that it's not about religion, it's about the relationship. They realized that Christ had died on the cross and was raised from the grave for the, not only the forgiveness of their sins, but for them to have hope and an eternity. And so they warmly embraced that. But after they started walking for a while, they started to stumble back into the religion. They started to be formed in the pressure cookers of life and religiosity rather than being formed into the likeness of Christ. And he says, don't do that. Don't do that. Not only is it burdensome, but you'll end up walking away from it all. He says, I just want you to be formed in Christ. And so this was a burden that he carried. I like the next verse on here, though. Galatians 4. Coming after verse 19, there's verse 20. He says this, How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am I'm perplexed about you. You ever been perplexed about somebody's trajectory in life? Like, what in the world are you doing? Not only don't go there, don't act that way, don't get around those kind of people, don't waste your time doing this. I'm just, I'm perplexed. I want you to know that sometimes I'm perplexed about myself. It's like, Carrie, why are you doing that? Where's your, get your head in the game. But a lot of times I'm perplexed by other people, people I care for a lot. Can I say it? Sometimes I'm perplexed about some of you. What are you doing? Where's your head at? Get in the game. Be formed in the pressure cooker of the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be formed in the pressure cooker of the Lord Jesus Christ means you have to live a life on a consistent basis close to him. That's why it's good to worship about the presence of the Lord. Last week we talked, made mention of the book, Practicing the Presence of God, talking about Psalm 139 and and living in the omnipresence of God Almighty, you have to seek consistently every day to live in close proximity to Jesus Christ. Not only because it's good for you and your soul, and it'll keep me from being perplexed about you, it's because Jesus wants you to live there because he wants to be found in your everyday world. The Apostle John You cannot read through that gospel, one of the four gospels without seeing that John loved Jesus. And he knew that a life that was to be formed in Christ is the one that understood the mystery and the beauty of Christ coming to dwell within us through his spirit and us participating in Christ and all that he has done for us. John 1, 1 starts out this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, referring to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Jesus made all things. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. And then here's this phrase, In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Position it right up front, John. You said it, man. In him was life. 
You wanting to find life? You're not going to find it ultimately if you're not pursuing a relationship with Jesus and Him, His character being formed in who you are as an individual. John says this in a letter that he writes, 1 John 5, 11. 5, 11 says this, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Really? Those sound like sweet little scripture words, don't they? We could just put those to a song or meditate on those. Friends, that's not religious sentimentality there. That's your ticket to discovering what life really is and who you're made to be. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son, you have life. Now, that doesn't mean everything's going right. doesn't mean you didn't have some struggles this week. We live in a world of woe until the Lord returns. But in Him you have life in the fullness of who God wants you to be. And whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, that's pretty direct on. And uh, I'm not one of those kinds of um, teachers, communicators who likes to skirt things. But I'll just share with you up front that if you do not have the Son of God in your life, then you don't have life. That's a little arrogant carry, isn't it? No, it's not me. This is the scripture from one who walked with Jesus, and he is saying that whoever does not have the Son of God being in a relationship with Jesus Christ and Christ coming to dwell within you through His Spirit by inviting Him to dwell within you, if you do not have the Son of God, then guess what? You've got something to look forward to. You've got hope to have life that you don't currently have amidst everything that's going on around you. Powerful truth by one who walked with Jesus. A letter that he wrote, 1 John 5. He wrote it to Christians. Let's go back to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 5. Jesus, these are his words. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Now he's addressing a bunch of religious elite people there. And he says, okay, you think, you know, you got, you got the big uh, uh, scrolls that you have with the Hebrew scriptures. You're walking through them. You unroll them. You know, it's like us having Bible thumpers maybe today. You think that the word of God, that this is, is, is what's going to change your life. And friends, I'm not being wrong in saying this. This book will not change your life. Jesus changes your life. This book tells us about Jesus. People throughout history have never had the scriptures, but Jesus has changed their life because a missionary or somebody else told them. It wasn't in their language, or they didn't even know how to read. So Jesus just looks at them and says, you search the scriptures because you think that in this, and being able to to be a book-knowledgeable person or somebody that can spew back a certain uh, legalistic creed, that that's your life. No. 
This book testifies about me. And there's another story where Jesus stands up, reads the scrolls, and says, this has come to fulfillment. I'm the fulfillment of these scriptures. So he's not anti the scriptures. But he's saying, don't look to a book. Don't look to a list of rules. Don't look to a particular church. Don't look to a preacher. Don't look to anybody else but me. I am the one. Why do you refuse to come to me? Jesus says. What's what's wrong here? Well, I tell you what, people don't come to Jesus, and I know why it was a struggle for me to come to Jesus, because Jesus demands lordship. Jesus demands surrender. Jesus demands that we take on his life. And if we want to have life, then we have to give up our life and choose his life. But friends, that is good news. Because if I examined every life in here with the scrutiny that God examines, I'd say, I don't want that life. I want his life. And then one of my favorite verses, John 10.10. Jesus himself says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Dallas Willard was a... uh, Great man of faith. Um, wrote a lot. He was a professor. And he um, recently passed away a year or so ago now. I can't remember how long it's been. Maybe it's been longer than that, I guess, as time moves, right? Dallas Willard talks about this life of Jesus within us and our life being formed in him. And he says this, Spiritual formation for the Christian refers to the driven, spirit-driven process of forming the inner world of the human self in such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ himself. Let's read that together. Spiritual formation for the Christian refers to the spirit-driven process of forming the inner world of the human self in such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ himself. Here's where I'm perplexed. There is great truth to be found in the discovery that it's not our life, but it's Christ's life living in us. The Apostle Paul says, Christ in you is the hope glory. But just sitting around in a passive position in life, moving from one week, to another, from one summer to another. You will not see transformation, I believe, in your life unless you put your mind and your heart and your will and your schedules to focus on seeing how the inner being of Christ himself can be formed in us through a disciplined and directed process. Does that mean there's something holy in a process? Or that the way about... Spiritual formation is the same from one person to another. No. But there is a defined, determined disposition that says, I want to know Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul said that. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of sharing his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've ever obtained this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
that disposition? Does it define who you are in your life? Or is it just a band asleep for another week? What's for lunch today? I'm not being hard on his friends, but I'm just challenging us to put front and center every week of our life because we're given few to see Christ formed in our life. Have you changed this week from last? I'm very grateful in my life for people that have challenged me straight on to see Christ formed in my life. One of the earliest people was a youth pastor that I had. I've mentioned it before. His name was Dwight Robertson. Dwight today is um, the leader of a ministry called Forge. And Forge ministry um, is defined um, by saying that it wants to um, bring about hearts on fire and lives on purpose, wants to build the kingdom by calling out laborers that know Christ and are serving Christ. This is Dwight today. I don't think he's changed too much. I think I've aged more than he has. <laughs> this is Dwight when I knew him when I was younger. It's a picture I think I've lifted before with that archaic phone in his hand. <laughs> Around Dwight is a group of brothers. Not Biological brothers, but spiritual brothers. Dwight, in the early years of our youth ministry and then a college and career ministry, gave his life to challenge people because his heart was burdened like the Apostle Paul's heart was to see Christ formed in people. And uh, I could go around and mention my friends there, journeying with each of them, all of them following the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them missionaries, some of them pastors, some of them knocking it down in the business world or really being able to give to God's kingdom work and other things. That's me leaning in up there on the left-hand side if you've not figured it out. Behind all of us there is Dwight's piano. This is in his home. We would gather not only at church during youth meetings and college career functions, we would gather in his home and we would worship I'd never experienced what worship was until I started sitting underneath his encouragement to seek God. And when you find yourself in the presence of God, like we worship about today, near to him, he starts to press his life into you. But you have to be disciplined to draw near. There's a lot represented here. Somebody who can teach and instruct scripture. Peers that can sharpen and encourage one another and kick your butt if you need a kick a little bit, right? but also who set a pace. There's also a lot of hope in those faces there because they're young. Praise God that each of them have done something for the kingdom of God. Their lives have been forged. I'm thankful that God brought Dwight into my life and impacted my life. That man that was in the hammock He's a young man. He's my son, Zach. Because Zach had the opportunity to go be a part of the Forge ministry this summer, 
and um, seek God to see his life transformed. And I'm going to invite Zach as well, a friend of Zach, who was also on this opportunity this last summer, just a couple months ago. Derek is also from Indiana. If both of them would come up, and I want to interview them about their experience with the experience. How about that? So here's a picture of that team. And I'm going to have you guys sit there. How's that? That's good. I have mics here somewhere. And um, several of you have had opportunity to be away this summer and experience God's goodness. Uh, Cassie was in Georgia and um, Heather was in Haiti and got the Romania team and others back. And maybe it wasn't a cross-cultural kind of experience. But uh, you guys want to just say hi? Hi. There, make sure your mics are working. That's good. So this is Zach. This is his friend Derek. And a unique situation. Uh, They both signed up to go on this 58-day experience uh, this summer. And um, uh, Derek was actually a friend of Zach's cousin and didn't really know that. And they signed up. And so cousin Aaron's here today, too. And these guys have been just hanging out, surfing, and doing some other fun things. And California before you have to go back to school. Um, I'm glad I don't have to go back to school. Uh, But Zach, why don't you lead off and just frame up what the experience was this time of being able to be spiritually formed in Christ, seeking Christ. Uh, How was that framed up and developed by um, Forge Ministries? So this was a uh, 58-day experience, really. It started out with about a week and a half of... uh, just teaching. I mean, we'd wake up at like 8 a.m. in the morning. It's earlier than that, 7 a.m., be at Forge by 7.30, and we would be in class from like 7.30 to 8. Sometimes I think we went on to 10, but we had a lunch break and a dinner break and then some things in between, and so it was really a time for just different Forge speakers to come and to be able to speak into our lives. We were taking notes during this time and really trying to learn. It was like drinking from a fire hydrant. And then uh, we went on to um, another stage, which was kind of in this first one, where it was kind of a survival experience to where uh, we were given a tarp, water, and fire and had to go survive out in Nebraska, basically. And uh, it was a simulation to like what it would be like to go to Africa and reach these completely unreached villages. And so we did that for three days. and you had some good lunch too, right? Yes, we, uh, <clears throat> we had to eat snake <laughs> and um, rabbit. And that was pretty – and we, breakfast was usually cricket. But um, <clears throat> so we had that, and then that was really just a great time. And then after that, we had like a day of rest <laughs> and uh, a date alone with God, and then we left for a uh, missions trip part of our experience. This was two and a half weeks, and we had a big group of 22, which is up on the screen, and we uh, went into three groups, two of seven, one of eight. My group went to Mexico, his group went to Haiti, and another group went to Honduras. There's a slide of some of the team on those trips, I think. There you go. 
And so that was really, I mean, we were splitting apart, really going and practicing what we had learned and all that we had been spoken into our lives. And during this time, uh, we would be speaking to these people's lives as well. So we would go to villages and uh, churches, and we had different messages prepared. I, I had this one time where uh, basically they came up to me and said, hey, you're going to speak in five minutes to this uh, house we're going to. And where I was like, okay. And so God really was able to use that time. But um, we had saw some amazing things in uh, all the different countries. And then after that, we came back and we went and we were camp counselors at uh, Deep Camp, which is like a camp for really it's families. families. But we were camp counselors for the youth. So I, I had middle school. I think he had some high school students. We were split up into our uh, fellowships and teams and stuff kind of working there, and the Forge speakers were there as well. And then the week after that, we went to – it was called Mobilization Week. And so <clears throat> we had no idea what this week was going into the experience. I mean, we lived the whole experience, living life day by day. We had no idea what was going to happen the next day. And – it was really just about trusting God. And so this mobilization uh, thing, we really didn't know what was going on. We finally learned, oh, hey, we're going to split off into our teams again and go to different cities. And we're like, okay, well, where are these cities that we're going to? And finally, like two hours before we're getting in the cars to leave, they're like, okay, Team Mexico, you're going to Denver. Team Haiti, you're going to Wichita. And Team Honduras went to Dallas. And so we all drove to these locations. With no leaders. With no leaders. So we left the leaders behind, and it was basically our groups of young adults. And so during this time, we learned what it was like, really, to be living on our own, doing the day-to-day things. Oh, we got to fix our own food. We have to plan for when we're going to bed, when we're waking up, and also being aware of what ministry opportunities are there. We had a couple things set up for us, but... Really, a lot of the schedule was just kind of like, hey, where is God leading you? Our group, um, we did a lot of homeless ministry in Denver, which was amazing to, uh, to just be there. And one of the biggest things that Forge taught was stop, see, and spend time. And a lot of the times we'll just walk by homeless people because they're dirty, because we don't want to be by them, but really – we need to stop, see, and spend time because we could be in those situations as well. And so that was a great week. And then this transitioned into the last week, which was a life planning week, which we were thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to figure out what career we're going into type thing. But when all of us young adults were like, oh, what are we going to do with our lives? And it was not as much that, but it was learning what are our spiritual gifts, what has God, how has God wired us, what might be some ways that we can go and really learning all these different things that we can be doing and with what we've learned, really. And so it was, it was a great way to figure out really how we're internally wired and how that looks going into our everyday lives, whether we're going into vocational ministry or whether we're going into business and how we can still live for God no matter where we are at. And then it's just not the 58 days, but there's also a 10-month life coaching thing that goes on. Yeah, so we were, uh, we were all given, each student, each, all 22 of us were given a coach 
And so for the next 10 months, we are in uh, communication, whether it be like every week, every other week, with a coach that is there helping us transition from, yeah, we had this two months of like really intensive growing and God, now we're coming back to our everyday lives with our everyday problems and what it looks like to transition back into that without forgetting the things that we have learned and all that. I want to come back to this whole idea of what the experience uh, means, uh, not only for how they took some time away from an experience, but how that can relate to us as a body. Um, but the um, uh, intentionality of just parking to spend time for transformation. You guys, Derek and, and Zach, neither one of you really knew what you are heading into. That schedule wasn't played out for you, right? And so you just made a decision that you were going to carve some time to see what God could do in your life. Um, Derek, uh, how did you make the decision to be a part of the experience? And then, you know, what's some of the most significant things that have happened in your life as a result of the 58 days? Yes, yeah, so it started May 22nd, <coughs> and I didn't find out about the experience till late April. I was still in track season school, was just getting out. And one of the board directors um, worked with my dad and told me about it. And I had to raise like five grand in three weeks. It started like, I was like, all right, whatever. And long story short, God raised the money. I went, and I went just, I mean, I didn't go with the intent. I didn't know what was going to happen, so I just went, I guess, to go deeper with God. I didn't really know what to expect, just to change, I guess. I mean, I did this before. And, um,. There's two stories I want to share. Um, I'm not really want to talk about myself and tell my testimony. I mean, God changed me, and it was the greatest trip of my life. But when we were in the mobilization stage, I guess all of us, we need, like, a, this, I want to tell a story of, like, a faith booster. Um, you know, we get to church, read the Bible, do all these things. But, God, I want to see you. I want to feel you. I want to know that you're real. This is a story that I want to tell you guys that God is real. Like, God, I want to feel you. I want to, something tangible, that you know. So we're in Wichita, Kansas. And we do this, um, we were living with these missionaries who um, were missionaries to Wichita, Kansas. And we woke up one morning, me and six of my teammates from Haiti, or the team Haiti. And we um, went to Matt's office, who was a missionary, and we prayed for three minutes. We did this thing called uh, treasure hunting evangelism is what it was actually called. But we prayed for three minutes and said, all right, God. Give us, you know, if you, God says in his word, if you earnestly seek God, he'll give us the mind of Christ. So, you know, God, your thoughts versus my thoughts, give it, you know, give us discernment. We pray for three minutes, and God, where would you lead us? To this, just some person, you know, what it, you know like whatever that is. So after we're done praying, uh, we, you know, we, we, he all gave us, Matt gave us pieces of paper. On the pieces of paper it said, like, appearances, names, something that he prayed for, and, like, unusual facts. So we split up the seven of us into a team of three, team of four, me and two of my teammates. I was in a, I was in a group of three. We got on praying, and we, we, well, when we got in the cars, and just, all right, Matt said, all right, guys, go. So we're like, all right, where are we going to go? So me and my two other teammates, Jonathan and Andy, compared our papers. And I, I, under locations, Jonathan on his had some just common locations like the mall, the, uh, the train station, Andy didn't really have anything. Under my locations, I had the most unusual location. God told me Center Street. I don't know why he just did. And when I was telling Matt this story after this happened, he was like, wait, there's no Center Street in Wichita. I was like, yeah, I know. So, we were in the <laughs> so, so we're in the car, and we're like, all right, guys, where do we go? So I got, pulled up my iPhone, and I typed in Center Street into, the, into my uh, maps. And it 
pinpointed right to this hospital that was like five minutes down the road. And actually, in the name of the hospital, had Christ in it. Dwight, I'm not sharing this story with him, but I got forward. He's like, yeah, there's Christ in, the, in that name of the hospital. In that name of the hospital. I, like, oh, I didn't even notice that. So I was like, guys, I think guys come to this hospital. So we went down to this hospital. We drove, pulled in. Andy's driving. The girl's driving. I was like, Phew. Anyway, um, female driver, just kidding. Uh, so we pulled into this hospital into the emergency section, and there's this, Af- there's this young African-American male sitting on the ground. He's got a cast on his whole leg. And me and Jonathan are, are really paying attention. And Annie, she's driving, and she looks over at this guy, and she, uh, she goes, Guy, that, that guy over there has something black and red going on. And we're like, they, we have these like on our facts. I'll tell you this in a second. And we're like, uh, and me and Jonathan didn't, didn't really see because Annie kept driving. So we didn't park the car. I'm like, all right, Annie, we'll go back to this guy. He's there. Then God's leading us to him. So on our papers, on my paper, I had Center Street. Jonathan on his, he had some facts, and he had flip-flops was on his. On Annie, she had a whole list of things God was telling her. She had under appearances, she had a black top, short black hair. Under unusual, she had something red. I actually had these pictures on my phone I would show you, but something red. Just I don't know what, just something about like the color red. So we walk up, turn the corner to the emergency section. This mass American male is still sitting there on the ground, a cast on his leg. And we have our papers in our hand. We look at them, and we're comparing, like, the facts, and we just start, like, cracking up. Like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? This guy, no joke, he's got a black shirt on. He's got short black hair. He's got red socks. He's got flip-flops on. He's got red on his sandals, and he's got red on his hat. And we're like, oh, my goodness, you've got to be kidding me. So we walk up to this guy, and we're like, man, it's going to sound crazy crazy to you, but we just prayed for you 10 minutes ago. Here's the facts. And this guy is like, oh my goodness, this is the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. And we got to know his story, prayed over him. And he was just like, not only was it a, like a faith booster for us, but to him, he was like, man, I have never, like, I've always believed in God and knew he was real, but this is like, God, I'm feeling you. This is something tangible. Like, that was awesome. And the other group, the same kind of situation, but even a cooler story. So same thing. Um, and Danny, my other teammate, there, they went, God called them to the mall. They're in the store. They saw this guy. They even got his name that someone wrote down. His uh, every, facts, like, just like ours, crazy, but uh, some, somebody had shoes written down. Damien had shoes, and Damien wrote down white shoes. And he's, the guy was working behind a counter in a store in the mall, and Damien couldn't see his shoes. The guy walked around the corner and saw shoes white as can be. Damien approached the guy just like we did and was like, man, it's kind of crazy to you, but I just prayed over you. And um, Damien, under his unusual facts, had football written down. Damien is from Salina, Kansas, and they're in Wichita, Kansas. And uh, the guy, Damien's like, man, I don't know why on my paper, you know, I have your, you know, we all have like your, you know, your hair color, all this stuff, your name. We had, God, God, the guy thought that was crazy, but guy, Damien had football written down under um, uh, unusual facts. And Damien's like, is there something with football and something about trust issue? And the guy. Starts breaking down. He's like, man, I was literally on my knees last night praying that God would send someone to, to confirm that I was supposed to, supposed to play football at Kansas Wesleyan in Salina, Kansas. Damien's from Salina, Kansas. And this guy is 6'4", 200, imagine 6'4", 250, African-American football player. Starts breaking down. Tells his boss, like, man, I got to step out. And starts running up and down this mall in Wichita, Kansas, saying, praise God, praise God, <laughs> up and down the escalators and just going nuts. Um, yeah, so those were two just amazing God stories where if you earnestly seek God and ask him to give you the mind of Christ, he'll do it for you. And we, all of us, we just felt so ungrateful for it because we've never experienced something like that. So that's a story that, you know, God is real. I hope that encourages you guys that, you know, just going and just doing the routine that he's talking about, like the whole we're all recovering legalists. 
Um, you know, all of us are. Uh, that was a big part of my um, journey going through the experience this summer. That's um, great, Derek. I, yeah. I had never heard that sto- those stories until he just made mention. But I think one of the cool things uh, and so critical for us to be formed into the likeness of Christ is to be able to learn that we can hear from God. Amen. That you can actually have the relationship word. We throw it around sometimes as Christians. Oh, I have a relationship with Jesus. Well, no, if I'm having a relationship, I'm being able to come and talk and interact that you can hear from God. He can speak to you if you're listening, and you can act on his behalf and have back and forth. So thanks. Something that maybe God put on your heart, and we, we didn't rehearse anything. I just said, guys, I'm going to pull you up here. So, I mean, Zach, you know, how did God change your life some in Christ-likeness? Um, my two biggest things going into the experience was uh, – I wanted God to teach me the power of prayer again. And I wanted to be able to fully, 100% trust God. And I wasn't at that point going into it, even though maybe I thought I was. But um, Dwight, which is Dad's youth pastor, um, he spoke on prayer one time, well, multiple times. (laughs) And uh, he talked about how it really is just being, that is one of the best ways to be intimate with God. And oftentimes we see God as a genie to where, okay, well, yeah, we'll pray to God. Hey, help me with this test I'm about to do. Help me to be able to get this job. Help me to do this. And we just expect God to do it. But when he does do it, we don't actually spend time to thank him. So as much time as we spend in prayer asking for God, asking to God, hey, help me with this. We need to spend equally, if not more time, thanking God for what he's done. Because, I mean, just like you would with any other person, you have a neighbor come over to help you work on something, you're going to thank them by, hey, giving them a, spending a dinner with them, taking them out to dinner or something like that. Well, maybe thanking God is taking him out to dinner, going, taking your Bible, going to a park, setting up your hammock, and just having a date alone with God so that you can thank him, be in the word and thanking him. One of the illustrations he used was um, Dwight's a really active guy, and he gets up and uh, he told Damien, which was uh, Derek's teammate, hey, follow me no matter what. And so he starts running around the room, going and doing all these different things, being like, hey, these are my friends, hanging out with my friends. Oh, I'm going to go on a run right now. I'm going to go on a run. Then he comes at the end of the day getting ready to go to bed, and he turns around and looks at Damien and goes, Oh, you're still here. Damien was representing God. We oftentimes, we run around doing our daily things, running and going, Oh, oh, oh we gotta go, gotta go do this, gotta go do this, gotta go do this, gotta go do this. And then finally we come to our end of our day and we look behind us and go, Oh, you're still here. And it's really about <clears throat> what does it look like to instead of God walking behind us, what does it look like to have him walk beside us to where we're going? We're going to go hang out with our friend, and he's there. We're not putting him in the background. We're not forgetting about him till the end of the day, until we pray right before we go to bed, until we pray right before we have lunch, whether dinner or whatever it may be. But being in constant prayer, one of the times we were in Mexico, and um, – we went to an orphanage, and at this orphanage, we couldn't teach the gospel. 
And we were like, oh, what the heck? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I mean, we, we're on a mission strip. We're here to teach people about God. And I just felt like God was coming over me, and he basically told me, what are you talking about? It doesn't matter that you can't teach the gospel. I mean, look at all the parables I gave you. You can teach these kids stories about a book that you read growing up of all these different parables about a king who had spears thrown him at him from David and Saul and all these different things, just being in constant prayer as you go. And that doesn't mean bowing your head and being like, oh, God, I just I need to be here right now. But that is like, oh, I'm walking up to the, the grocery store on the checkout line being like, oh, I see I see the cashier. Lord, just bless her today. Be with her. Just being in constant prayer, praying over your friends. Maybe they're not Christian. Maybe who knows what they're going through, but just being in constant prayer. You don't always have to be on your knees praying to God, yelling out. It can just be something just in your head really quickly, like, God bless them today. Derek, uh, you're heading back to school pretty soon. How is the Derek at school this year going to be different than the Derek at school last year? Um, that, that was my biggest fear of during our life planning stages. You know, what's your? Uh, we had like one-on-ones with some of the leaders at Forge, and they said they asked us, "What's your biggest, you know, struggle going to be going back?" And I said, um, "Said Rob, one of the leaders at Forge, said I don't, I can count on my fingers how many friends I have that are really on fire for God. Um, it's going to be tough, you know, just Friday night, Saturday nights. You know, what are my decisions?" Um, and I told Rob, I said. It's going to be the little things that my friends notice that hopefully they see, you know, who's Derek. You know, Derek, he's not acting the same. Something's different about him. So, I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to, you know, be the perfect, you know, 21, 21-year-old college student. Um, 21, though, I can go out and drink. But, you know, the, the, the biggest thing for me is, like, you know, drinking. So, I will. We signed this contract. You know, I won't drink, smoke, and do all that, you know, gamble, whatever. So it's an, for me, it's, an, it's an, a, an, an integrity issue. You know, while I'm at college, I mean, just, these are just little things that I'm just dealing with just personally. So it's just going to be my daily, you know, my daily surrender saying, all right, and like I already have planned like Friday nights, like God's called me to, called me to urban ministry over the summer. So like, I'm, like before I go back to college, I'm, hope, I'm going to make this like map of like I'm going to like, to like different cities around Indiana and just doing urban ministry so that was just an idea to keep me away on Friday nights just from going out and partying and then like twice a month I'm going to do like day slam with God so just it's just going to be like the, just like the little things I'm with my friends and I love them to death they're all my best friends but um, and like they're all Christians but they're all just you know they're I guess watered down Christians you know they're um, go, to, go, to, go to church on Sundays and then party on Friday nights so um, but you know, we're all. I'm not. I'm. My sin is no different than you know from their sin. God loves us all the same. He sees our sins as from a bird's eye view, not a um, horizontal perspective. So, a vertical perspective. So, yeah. Zach, uh, just last question here. Um, <clears throat> just real brief. We didn't get to talk with them all that much while they were on these 58 days, and that was purposeful. You didn't have phones and all that type of thing. That's purposeful. Um, but when we did touch base in the first couple of weeks, you made mention to me of something you became passionate about concerning the kind of pastor you would want to have in your life. Do you remember what that was? You said, what kind of church would you like to go to? Would you like to go to a church that had a pastor who had a Ph.D., 
or it was, um, would you rather go to a, one of the speakers that challenged us, would you rather go to a church with a pastor with his doctor and his PhD, all these different things, or would you rather go to a church with a guy who maybe has his college education, but is intimate relationship with God? 100% fully. And for me, I want someone who's going to be intimate with God. I mean, because during these last two months, I mean, I got challenged so much to be intimate with God. And I want a pastor. A lot of the, a lot of the times, it's been Mexico, all these different places, uh, we had to speak. I mean, it was not us speaking. It was the Holy Spirit coming through us and speaking because we were just, we were, I mean, we were tight with God. And that's what I want in a pastor. That's what I want in my spiritual mentor. Not someone who knows all the answers, but someone who is so close with God, so close with their walk with Christ, that they're still journeying, still admitting that they're still growing. They're intimate with God. And so it's not them speaking into my life, but it's God speaking through them into my life. And I, when I heard that story, I said, that's Dwight. That's the same thing he taught me when I was young. You thank these guys for sharing. I go back to my picture that I really like this summer. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In Colossians 2, 6 and 7, the Apostle Paul says this, Just as you received Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. In Ephesians, Paul says this. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I pull from that these two phrases, these two verses Yield these two phrases. Live your lives in Jesus Christ, rooted and built up in Christ, and rooted and established in His love. I cannot take you on a 58-day experience separate unto the worlds of responsibility and opportunity you have. But this fall, we as a church body are going to have the opportunity for you to have an experience. If your heart's going to be formed after Jesus Christ, they say there's three things. There's practices, relationships, and experiences that need to frame up that discipline. What practices? What relationships? What experiences are scheduled into your life so that this can be true? That you can become rooted and built up in Christ and rooted and established in His love. We're going to provide an opportunity 
to have an experience. And the experience is simply called rooted. To be spiritually formed in Christ is to be spiritually rooted in Christ. And, and uh, G.J., I'm going to have you pass those things out. It's on your post, and you probably wondered, what is this? We made mention of it a number of weeks ago. But we are going to go on a journey together, an experience of being spiritually formed in Christ, to connect to God, his church, and your purposes. I'm not going to explain a lot about it today because I'm going to continue to talk about it over the next few weeks related to encouraging us to consider this experience. This is not a lighthearted experience. They say that you remember 10% of what you hear, 20% of what you read, 30% of what you see, 70% of what you discuss, but you remember 80% of what you experience. And so what this experience is, called Rooted, is not a Bible study. There's going to be a lot of Bible in it. It is not just a mere um, homework assignment, though this is the book that you'll work your way through over ten weeks. But it's also a book of reflection, and you will have group experiences. The card that you're being handed is a brief description of it. But what I want to challenge you to is to consider, prayerfully consider, being a part of the experience on Wednesday nights at the Awakening from 6.30 to 8.15 p.m. so that your lives can be spiritually formed and rooted in Christ. To live your lives in Christ, rooted and built up in Him, rooted and established in His love. So on the back side, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. On the back side is a simple registration form. I want you to take that. I want you to consider it. Some of you already said, hey, I want to be a part of the experience. And uh, we're going to see how this goes for us as a body. And uh, the experience of Rooted uh, begins in five weeks. And so you have some time to think about it. The encouragement is if you can't be devoted to all that's involved with the Rooted, and foremostly that means commitment of probably five out of seven days a week that you're doing about a half an hour of some study and reflection, journaling kind of aspects, to be a part of a regular group meeting, and that's exciting for some of you, but it's threatening for others of you on a weekly basis, and to be a part of three other separate experiences that are outlined in that information, that you don't sign up to do this. If you're going to sign up, you're, you're signing up to have a commitment. But just like the intentionality of what you saw in these young men here this morning to see Christ formed in their life, I'm challenging you to put that intentionality in your life. Will you consider doing that? We're going to close with this song and uh, just invite you to worship him. And uh, the ushers then are going to come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. If you want to fill out that registration card, I encourage you to give it to me personally or you can leave it at the welcome desk on your way out.